Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong for Earthlink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands and Métis Region 3. Today on the show, I have J.P. Thibodeau, Artistic Director of Storybook Theatre. He's here to talk about what the summer looks like for the theatre for young audiences. Today I have J.P. Thibodeau here from Storybook Theatre. I guess... um. Uh, introduce yourself and what you do at Storybook Theatre. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am JP Thibodeau. I'm the artistic producer at Storybook Theatre. I've been there for going on nine years this season. Okay. And how has the past year been like in terms of the season you've had? Terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's been a terrible theatre season, that's for sure. But we've made the best of it and we've really worked hard to to create opportunities for our theater artists throughout the year, which I think has been part of our success and part of the, the great, uh, the great work we've been able to do throughout the season. So we're, we had a good season when it came to engaging our artists, but in terms of it being a regular theater season, it wasn't that it was creating and developing new ways to present art and present theater and tell stories. And so how did the last show go? Um, I received some messages about it. So that was the smartest girl in the world. Our last show went really well. Uh, we, we were excited to present the show because it was a show about an immigrant uh, Latinx family uh, and their struggles as a family uh, moving to you know, North America, essentially. The original concept was written for the United States, but uh, we've adapted it for Canada. And it was received really, really well. And it was exciting to see lots of immigrant families embrace the story and write to us and tell us how much they enjoyed seeing themselves reflected uh, on screen or on our stage and, and, you know, finally get to hear their story be told in this way and without it making it the emphasis or the token tokenistic kind of character within the story, it was a story that was all theirs. So we got a lot of great response when it came to people identifying in a different way than we're, we've ever really, really been used to, you know, when you do a show like, Peter Pan or Beauty and the Beast, you know, we all relate to those from a, you know, fun fairy tale point of view. But this show is about your regular everyday uh, Latinx family. So it was lovely to share that story and got great response. Okay. And what does the summer months look for you for in terms of your uh, student summer intensive? Yeah, so student summer intensive is underway. Um, we have a great group of students who will be working this summer to create our show that we presented this um, fall. Um, and we're, it's our first show that we're going to bring our audience back. And so we're doing it outside uh, so that we can make sure that we actually have an audience this year. Uh, so we don't know what that looks like yet in terms of you know how many people based on restrictions. Uh, as we're talking right now, we're not really sure what July and August will hold exactly, but we're hoping that the world will open up and we'll have a live audience joining us uh, in the, in the late August, early September outside. Uh, and they'll be the first show of our season that will start allowing the audience to come back. And what is involved for students to get into the program? Uh, students had to audition to get into the program and so they will audition um, uh, they audition in early June and, and then from there they all would be accepted into the program and casting would go underway like a normal show would be cast um, and then they are with us five days a week rehearsing the show so it's pretty intensive and in that they receive training in dance acting and singing uh, as well as working on the show so 
a lot of these students will head off to university either this fall or next fall. And so we kind of set them up and prepare them for um, the fall programming uh, when they head off to school. So kind of setting them up for success by creating and doing a show. And who are some of the, your fellow instructors in the program? Uh, we have a great arsenal this year. Um, we have Cassie Doan returning. Cassidy is a storybook alumni who went off to um, uh, Randolph Academy and did her theater degree there and is now back in Calgary. She's a teacher in Calgary. Uh, she works with us. She'll be part of the acting coaching team uh, and directing associate. And then we have a tag team on the musical direction uh, between uh, Selena Wong and Joe Slabay, two musical theater kind of legends here in Calgary. And joining them this season as a vocal associate is Dallas Hayes Sparks. We've got a great team kind of leading up the faculty for this summer's program. All right. And I guess it is exciting that it will be the first uh, show in a long while for a live audience. So what will be, uh, I guess, how do you see it going? Uh, well, we know that, you know, we do, while restrictions may have eased up, we don't know if everyone's going to want to sit next to strangers. <laughs> and so we want to give them the chance to kind of spread out a little bit. So we're going to do it outside. Uh, behind Storybook Theater, there is a lovely outdoor kind of pavilion and park that they can bring uh, chairs and sit in. We'll also have special seating for people who want to purchase seating specifically, but they can enjoy the show outside. It happens at sunset. So they'll be able to have a nice romantic evening or enjoy a nice musical theater evening outside. Uh, this interview will go on air after your announcement of the 45th season on June 19th. Can you say what will be in the new season at this time? I can give you some hints under what will be in this season. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll give you a couple of things. So one of the big things that we're doing is because we really didn't know we wanted to make sure we planned a season for our artists and for our audience. And we wanted to make sure that we had something and we didn't know what the fall had in store. So we chose not to do any shows in the fall. That would be regular theater shows. And instead we've adapted all the learning we did this year from film. And we're actually producing four TV shows. Um, and so we're doing one TV show is going to be a theater sports competition show. That'll be live every week where you can watch the show and watch the actors all compete and then vote for the team you want to see move on to the next week. Um, and another show is going to be like a talent search show for young uh, students to come on and I was, I want to say competes the wrong word, but showcase their talent. Um, another show we're doing is called everyday heroes at home, which will allow, uh, we're going to do segments on um, going and meeting members of our community that are everyday heroes. People will nominate them. And then we hope in return to kind of pay something forward to them and help them uh, with something that they deserve. And the last show that we're doing in the fall, or one of the last shows, two, I guess there's two more shows, uh, but one is, um, it's called Workshop. And the artists, the audience will be taken behind the scenes of workshopping of three new musicals or three new plays. And so you'll learn what the process is like and see how a play might be created. And the last show we're doing is we're working with Zoo Street, which is a Calgary company that produces children's theater. Uh, in, in the young format and working with them to develop a 12-part uh, kind of mini-series for little kids uh, using zoo animals and telling moral stories. And so we're working with them. So we've got a lot of shows we're working on that are like TV shows for the fall. Uh, and, and then we have uh, a bunch of, we have three musicals we're planning to do next year. So we're hoping, we're hoping that the, um, 
restrictions will allow us to to do more. We have a Christmas show plan, plan which is the Sound of Music. Um, we're doing that in concert. And then the new year, we have um, The Descendants, the musical, the Disney's Descendants. Uh, and then the year-end show will be SpongeBob, the musical. All right. I guess that's it for today. Thanks for your time. All right, Jenny. Thanks so much. That was my interview with J.P. Thibodeau from Storybook Theater. He spoke about their summer theater program for students in high school. Now here is a song by Canadian vocalist Deborah Cox. The song is Destination Moon from the 2007 album with the same title. We'll have a lovely afternoon Kiss the world goodbye And away we'll fly A destination moon We'll travel fast as light to it Out of sight The earth will be like a toy balloon What a thrill you'll get riding on my jet A destination moon We'll go up Up, up to the moon we two High in the starry blue I'll be out of this world with you So when we're stealing my space mobile Supersonic honeymoon Leave your cares below Pull the switch Let's go A destination moon was Destination Moon by Deborah Cox from the album of the same name. Next, I have a mini events calendar for you. Springboard Performance has announced their summer events in Sunnyside. The Sunnyside Summer Night Series continues with dates on July 15th and July 29th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Container. Keith Hootenani presents special guest Memphis and the Grand featuring 32 different Hootenanny musicians. Tickets begin at $15 each. 
See springboardperformance.com for more information. Contemporary Calgary has a couple of exhibits that can be accessed through their website. Everywhere We Are continues until October 10th and is in partnership with the Nickel Galleries at the University of Calgary. It is a series of exhibitions and public programming that address all the things that goes into collecting art. The exhibit also explores boundaries in art, asking who sets the boundaries and the rules associated with them. Visit ContemporaryCalgary.com for more information. That's it for me this week. Here is co-host Nathan Taylor. Thanks, Jenny. This month, I've got a song from the Rio Statics about an invasion of Herb Tarlix from the show WKRP in Cincinnati. But first, here's an appreciation of a summertime juvenile delinquent movie first broadcast in 2019 on CGSW's airwaves. Content warning, ahead is a mild expletive. Lord Love a Duck. It stars Roddy McDowell and Tuesday Weld. The former, previously known to me only as Cornelius, acting in chimp costume in the Planet of the Apes series. I'd never even seen his face before this film. And the latter having a fraught history as a teenage sex symbol. Tuesday Wells starred in a film called uh, Sex Kittens Go to College, a.k.a. Beauty and the Robot. And also, check out what she said about turning down the lead role in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita. In this broad and brutal satire, we get to observe the unfortunate mix of two different types of sociopaths. First, the realistic-seeming Barbara Ann, who is the first to describe her motivation. Here's a clip. Last year at Longfellow, I won everything. Head cheerleader, Miss Longfellow, everything. But, you know, they tore the building down and they've consolidated and hardly anybody's going to know me here. And I want them to. I want it to be the same. I want it again. You know, Mom sent my picture into the 17 National Smiling Contest, and I won runner-up. Everybody said I should have been first, of course. Everybody has got to love me. Everybody. This is my year. My horoscope says I'm going to be famous. I'm a Capricorn, I can't miss. I deserve it too. She admits this to our anti-hero, a young man, McDowell was bloody 35 when he played this high school senior, uh, who is obsessed with Barbara Ann. He seems to be able to instantly manipulate every situation to his advantage. And we see him jailed for what we come to discover is murder right at the outset of the film. The story we get in flashback is an irreverent, loftily held middle finger, and the damn thing even bills itself as an act of pure aggression. Here's some of the trailer. Lord Lovaduck looks like a beach party picture, but it's actually a booby trap. Hey, hey. Lord Lovaduck is against teenagers, their parents, movies, cars, school, and several hundred other things. Based on a novel and screen written by the guy who did The Manchurian Candidate, Lord Lovaduck is, I believe, an overlooked masterpiece, uh, featuring clueless yet resolved authority figures who are given space to spout unctuous bullshit like this. The Lord is always listening. 
But suppose you ask for a promotion and a raise on your job, and the Lord knows you'd really be better at another job. Does he give you that raise? No. As a matter of fact, he probably gets you fired, so you're forced to think and seek work more suitable to your capacities. The answer is so obvious. Prayers are answered. Because whatever happens, that's the answer. Well, I think maybe this is as good a time as any to wrap it up for tonight. Now, next Tuesday night, we'll talk about heading down the home stretch. Oh, cover things like the Christian attitude toward the automobile, knowing how and when to say no without actually offending. And finally, if time permits, is it love or is it sex? Six sure-fire ways to tell the difference. Now, about Alan, a master manipulator, but who gets himself put in prison before the film even really begins. After another cool opening credit sequence, here's how we meet Alan. Now, the beginning, of course, is Barbara Ann Green. Dear, sweet, simple-minded Barbara Ann. Barbara Ann. Whose deepest and most heartfelt yearnings expressed with a kind of touching lyricism the total vulgarity of our time. Before the events of Lord Loveduck, we come to understand that Alan is known and somewhat feared by his old principal, played by Harvey Corman in a, a great example of what makes a character actor. And he has a good marquee value for this new school, which is simply called Consolidated. Everything is consolidated in this film. He also knows about and is obsessed with Barbara Ann and enters in a quote-unquote deal wherein he gets her anything she desires in exchange for nothing. In one of the odder, sadder, scarier moments of the film, she asks him just what he gets out of this deal as she has just told him to get her a boy she likes. His response, and it comes as his face for the first time approximates something like confusion and sadness, is, I think of things. Folks, the character of Alan, Molly Muck, is a movie psycho of such understated, rationalized malevolence that he, in my opinion, tops General Jack D. Ripper played by Sterling Hayden in Dr. Strangelove. In the film, he refers to himself in the third person as Molly Mock. That's me, Molly Mock. A bird thought to be extinct, but isn't. Molly Mock nearly maims the high school quarterback, uh, barely break, breaking a sweat. He insinuates himself with Barbara Ann's uh, crush's mum before she even gets to his place and has an ever-expanding collection of keys that conveniently move the plot along, even as he seems to comment on that fact. The film takes the piss out of any and all authority figures, and even has some funny things to say about tastemakers. Fifteen beach pictures I've made. It's the first time I've ever been to a beach. Damnedest sight I ever saw in my life. However, title, title. We need a title. Uh, bikini vampire. I was a teenage bikini vampire. I married a teenage bikini vampire. Another thing I like about the film are the long takes of Tuesday interacting with others. She's really good, and I'd like to play you an example of a situation that brings her back to Alan for more help. It's very passive-aggressive. Oh, it's good to get out of these clothes. You don't... 
Oh, that is a pretty sweater. But, but that's Acroson Silipolitex, isn't it? You know, that stuff is great. It's so, <laughs> so much better than the cashmere like I have. And it's so much cheaper, too. You know, it's amazing what the Japanese do with chemicals today. And if, yes, there's washing instructions right inside. No. You know, you can burn it, you can spill anything on it. Just burn it. it right away. You can burn it? Yeah, sure. No. And you know, it's moth-proof, hey, rust Wait a second, I just, hey, is that Billy Gibbons' pen? Oh, yes. Is it really? He, get, he, he tried to give it to me last year. No. Is he a crazy kid? Yeah. He I is, just Billy. How'd you get it? He's <laughs> oh, such a great kid. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, you seem like a very nice girl. We have a club around here. It's called the Cashmere Sweater Club. Well, you, you ought to drop by sometime. Meet some of the girls. All you need are 12 cashmere sweaters to join. Really, do that. Come by some evening. Oh, good. <laughs> 12 thank cashmere you. sweaters. Yes, good. Thank you. Alan, will you stop spinning? I need 12 sweaters to belong to the club, cashmere sweaters. Now, this thing I have on isn't even cloth. It's some kind of chemical. What is that? That is the formula for your sweater. Two parts acrosone, one part silipoly latex, and water. Oh, lots and lots of water. Oh, you know, this damn thing doesn't even burn. Oh, of course it does. No, it doesn't. Sure it does. If I remember correctly, the burning point for Acroson is 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which does, of course, indeed, for all practical purposes, make it fireproof. Now, this is not funny. What am I going to do? You have a father, don't you? Of course. He lives in Oxnard somewhere, and he sells things. Now, divorced parents always feel guilty. Now, if you could make your father feel really guilty... Guilty? Uh-uh. Really guilty. Let us say, uh, guilty squared. Guilty squared? Yeah. Father plus divorce times guilty... Squared equals sweaters. Guilty enough for twelve sweaters? Molly Muck writes sweaters to the power of thirteen. Well, I don't believe it. <laughs> it's the new math, Barbara. As much as I like this movie as a whole, special shout-outs have to go to Lola Albright, who plays Marie, Barbara Ann's mom. She's a cocktail waitress who exudes such life and fun from her taboo profession and her sisterly relationship with her daughter. She really plays out like the only real person in this movie. This, unfortunately, is exploited in a way that makes me think of Ellen Burstyn's performance in the ultimately emotionally manipulative Requiem for a Dream. Uh, when Lola's Marie meets the mother of Barbara's crush, played by Ruth Gordon, she is basically slut-shamed into suicide. In a scene that I find hard to watch, she's so good. The screenwriter, George Axelrod, twists the knife during this part of the film, having Molly Mock murder Marie, but only after we see her suffer and reach out for help, even to her unsympathetic ex-husband. So as an aside, Lola Albright, who... 
I'm in love with now has uh, a couple of jazz albums, one produced by Harry Mancini called Dreamsville from 1959. And uh, in her role as Edie Hart on TV's Peter Gunn had a chance to sing cool tunes on TV. And I especially love the YouTube clip of her rendition of How High the Moon, where she gives the signal for her friend Shorty Rogers to play the solo. So speaking of real... Incidentally, Molly Muck, like many psychopaths, is so solipsistic that he has a rant about Barbara Ann's love interest not being real. And here's the scene where he plays back a recording he just made of them making out. All right. Be mad. I'm not mad. I think it's funny. You and that toy person. How could I be mad? You old St. Bernard or whatever his name is. He's not real. He's like a toy they manufacture. Yeah, like one of the Ken and Barbie dolls. Yeah, you dress them, undress them. You buy them clothes and you wind them up and their little hearts go lub-a-dub, lub-a-dub. But they're not real. Alvin, I don't care what you say. I think he's beautiful. And not only that, I want him. The last thing I'll say about Lord Love a Duck is that it's always nice for me to run into a film that might have been an inspiration for a Forbidden Dimension song. In Forbidden Dimension's uh, album Sin Gallery, there is a title of the name Bikini Widow, which is exactly where this plot leads to. Lord Love a Duck can be watched for free on YouTube. I sincerely hope you give it a shot. Next, I'd like to mention Frank Bonner, an actor and director famous for his role on WKRP in Cincinnati. He died on June 16th, 2021, and his ridiculous and slimy Herb Tarlick is a creation in the sea of talent on that show that was just perfect to fit among them. I'd like to play this song uh, from 2004. The Rio Statics released their album 2067, which contains a wonderfully vague yet explicitly Herb Tarlick focused song called The Tarlicks. Here now on CJSW 90.9 FM. The Tarlicks came from the West they grooved. White
uncles, everyone's friends. We pull their fingers all night long. And when the lampshades were all trampled and broken, the eldest one That was The Tarlicks by The Rheostatics off of their album 2067. Well, that's all the time we have for Arts Link this month. From Jenny and Nathan, we'll talk to you folks again in August.